So if you can't think of a time that you've received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, at the end of this message, we're going to give you an opportunity. We call it an invitation. It's just an invitation not to join this church, not to get baptized at this church. It's an invitation just to walk down the aisle like I did when I was about 17 years old and say, I want to save. I want to be saved. I want Jesus Christ to save me. And I'm telling you, if you'll do that, it'll be the best decision you ever made in your life. It changed my life. Uh, there's something you don't understand that's going on in your life if you don't know Jesus Christ. And we're going to preach about this morning. I'm going to show you in the Bible this morning. What's going on in your life if you don't have Jesus Christ is you don't have contentment. You don't have contentment. And you need contentment. And you try to find contentment. Now the world calls contentment happiness. Not by whatever word you want to use. The Bible's going to use the word contentment. And you don't, you don't have contentment, and you're trying to find contentment and trying to find happiness in all kinds of things in your life. It might be through money. It might through, be through work. It might, some people try to find contentment through drugs and alcohol and uh, smoking. And they find, try any way they can do because they know there's just, it just quite can't reach that contentment. They can't get that happiness. Uh, the Rolling Stones, Mick Jagger, he sang for 40 years the same song. What's that same song that Mick Jagger, the Rolling Stones, said? I can't get no satisfaction. I can't get no satisfaction. It's the same principle. Can't get happiness, can't get contentment. But I'm here to tell you this morning, and I think I can get some testimony for some people out here. With Jesus Christ, you'll find all the contentment you need. I've never been uncontent with my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Look at Philippians chapter 4, verse 11. Not that I... Now, this is Paul, and I want to point this out. I'm about to read this verse and, to, and read what Paul had to write. Paul's writing this while he's in prison. It wasn't something for... He, he, didn't, it was, he wasn't in prison because he didn't pay his traffic fines or he beat his wife up or something like No, Paul's in prison because he was preaching Jesus Christ. And they threw him in jail. He had been doing everything the Lord told him to do. Here he's, he's been in prison. And at this time, he's been in prison for probably a couple of years. And this is what he writes. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned, I have learned, in whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. To be content. So verse 11, Paul's telling, them at the, telling the people at Philippi, he says, not that I speak in respect of want. He says, I'm not wanting anything from you. Because he's talking about how they had tried to help him out and he appreciated it but didn't work out. But he appreciates them trying to help him out while he's in prison. He says, not that I speak in respect of want. He said, for I've learned. What did Paul learn? Paul learned something. In whatsoever state I am, if he's in prison, if he's out of prison, wherever he's at, therewith to be content. Being content is not something you're just going to be given. You're going to have to learn it. Christian, I'm here to tell you this morning, you're going to have to learn this. It's something, look, I learned, I learned. So he, it's a process, it's a learning process. So this morning's message I'm preaching this morning is on the college, the college of contentment. The college of contentment. Paul had learned that wherever state he was in, to be content. Uh, we all could use that. We all could use that learning. We all could use that learning of, of contentment, of learning how to be content. Have you ever noticed that... Uh, People have no problem, no problem complaining and griping about stuff. No problem about it at all. They have no problem about it at all. People have no problem about complaining, about griping. And we all could use a college degree in contentment. But have you noticed that I don't think anybody in this room needs to be sent off to, to, you know, to college 
to get to learn how to complain and gripe. You know, there's not complaining and griping 101, but there is contentment 101, and that's where we need to find ourselves this morning. Turn to 3 John chapter 1. There's only one chapter in 3 John. Now, 3 John's at the end of your Bible. You, if you go to the back of your Bible, you've got Revelations. Turn to the left, you'll find Jude, and then the third epistle of John. He wrote three epistles, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. 2nd and 3rd John are really short, both one chapter long. So I'm going to show you 3rd John. I'm going, to, I'm going to show you in the book of 3rd John. Look at verse 1. We're going to learn something. So let's learn something. Let's go to the College of Contentment. Let's learn something about contentment, what we need to know about contentment. 3rd John chapter 1. Look at verse 9 there in 3rd John. Starting at verse 9. There's something we need to learn this morning about being content, about contentment. He says here, John's writing to the church there, and he, he says, uh, he's writing to Gaius, actually. I wrote into the church, but Diotrephus, Diotrephus, who loveth to have the preeminence among them, receiveth us not. So you got a guy in the church that he wants to be the boss. He always didn't want to be the boss. Where, wherefore, if I come, I will remember his deeds which he doeth, prating against us with malicious words, and not content therewith. Neither doth he himself receive the brethren, and forbiddeth them that would, forbiddeth them that would, and casteth them out of the church. So you have this guy in the church, and what you'll find out, he's not content. And what, when he's not content, what, you, what you'll find out about somebody who's not content is the beginning of verse 10. Wherefore, if I come, I will remember his deeds which he doeth, prating, prating against us with malicious words and not content. He's complaining. He's gripping. Brothers and sisters, if, you don't, if you're not content in the Lord, if you find out you don't have that contentment that only the Lord can give you, you're going to be one of those grippers and complainers. And you'll just be griping and complaining all the time. You know what always amazes me? I mean, this is something, I don't know if y'all could ever answer this for me, but have you ever, know that, that, have you ever noticed that people love griping? To be around grippers? I mean, you hear it like, I mean, I'm talking about like when you're at a job, you're at work or wherever you're at. I mean, it's bad at work. When you're at any kind of job, you're going to have people, they start, could you do this better? Yeah, you're right, man. And it just starts in. And it's encouraged. Yeah. Right? Have you noticed it? It gets encouraged. Like, yeah, man. You, people's ears, nothing but ears, people, people's ears get nothing bigger than when they hear people complaining and griping. It's like, really? But what I'm saying, bringing all this up, is nobody complains. Everybody complains and gripes. You hear it all the time. But you always hear people say, I don't want to be around them because they're a complainer or they're a griper. I hear that a lot. Like, I don't want to be they, All they do is gripe and complain. And I think, that's all you do. That's all I do, gripe and complain. I mean, I'm lumping myself in with all, we're all gripers and complainers. And what well, you'll see, that's what happened. This guy wasn't content. He's griping. He's complaining. We need to understand that when we're not content, it's going to lead to us saying stuff we shouldn't say with our mouth. Yeah. And if there's been a theme, and I'll see this through the, through, through the church over the years, there's themes that the Lord gives us through the Holy Spirit. and through the, it, There's these themes that start popping up, and there's a theme going on right now. It's been going on where there's two themes. One theme is the blood of Jesus Christ. The second theme is is the theme of, you're going to answer for what you say. Not necessarily to man or woman, to mankind, you will answer to God. For sure. And to be careful what you say. But we're all gripers, we're all complainers. It's, it's amazing how nobody gets, uh, nobody says, you know what, I'm, I'm not complaining today. I'm not going to gripe. 
I've done that one time. <laughs> the Holy Spirit was convicting me. And I'm like, I'm, I'm going to go to work. I'm not going to complain all day at work. Now, that's a task. I mean, I had to really like, I mean, I was like, I could have fasted for a month and not been that tasked with this. So I'm like, I'm not going to complain, Lord. I'm going to be a better Christian. I'm going to be a, I'm going to be a blessing to people instead of a curse. I'm going to stop complaining. Boy, that lasted like two hours. And then off the rails I went, you know. Some citizen did something I didn't like. It's like, ah, oh, these people are so crazy. So you know what happened whenever I complained and, and, and fell off the wagon? I said, I'm not going to get back on it. I'm just going to complain the rest of the day. It's too late anyway. I messed up. That's the human nature. All right, ladies. So there's this lady. She's in Manhattan, big New York. She's not married. Walks up, and there's a store. It says, husband store. She says, what's that? So she goes in this store. She gets in the first floor, and there's a man there. And uh, there's all these men around. And she gets in the first floor, and, and she says, this is a husband store? I can find a husband here? And the man says, yes, ma'am, you can. She said, well, how do I pick them out? She goes, he goes, everybody on this floor is a man for, that, you know, that can be married that works for a living. She said, everybody works? She goes, yes. But on the, if you want to go up to the second floor, now you can't come back. But on the second floor, we got more husbands for sale. More husbands? Yes. These here, these all work. So she looks around for a while. Well, she gets curiosity. She goes up to the second floor. Gets up on the second floor. Here she steps out. The matron man comes up, talks to her, and says, these husbands up here, all these husbands, they work, and they take out the trash. <laughs> well, she's like, really? Is there a third floor? Yeah, there's a third floor. But if you go up to the third floor, you can't come back. So the lady starts thinking about it. Well, she goes up to the third floor. Comes on the floor, third floor. There's a bunch of men around, a bunch of husbands around. The guy comes up to her and says, these men here, they work, they take out the trash, and they do the dishes. Whoa! She's getting pretty excited right now. So this is pretty good. This is pretty good. I'm liking this. He said, well, there's a floor above us. Oh, there's a floor above us, yes. But if you go up there, you can't come back. So she... Curiosity gets a cat and the woman. So she goes up the stairs, comes up, gets in the elevator, gets out, comes up. There's all the men sitting around there. Guy walks up to her. She sees a bunch of men around, and she gets excited because, man, man, oh, man, these are some good-looking men. These are men that work, do the dishes, take out the trash, and are handsome. 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 Good-looking. So, of course, she, her, her heart's just fluttering. <laughs> Do, 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 do you have another floor? And the matron says, yes, yes ma'am, we do have another floor. But if you go up there, you can't come back down. So she can't take it. She's not content. She gets in the elevator, goes up the other floor, gets out, ding, steps out. There's millions of women up here. There's thousands. Congratulations, you're 560 million in line for getting a husband. can't find a perfect husband, ladies. Right? She goes back down the elevator. She's mad. She's mad at herself. She steps out. She looks across the street. There's a wife store across the street. She says, I'm going to see if they get the same nonsense over there as they did to me. So she walks in there, and there's a bunch of women around, sitting around here. And there's a, a, a lady comes up there, and she walks up to the woman and says, what can I do for you? This is a wife store. Well, I'm just wondering what all these wives do here. What's so special about them? She says, these wives down here, they don't complain. So she says, well, I want to go to the second floor. 
And the lady turns and says, a man's never asked to go to the second floor. <laughs> We've never had a man asked to go to the second floor. <laughs> oh, that was a cheap shot at some of you ladies. I love my wife. I love my wife. Look at Mark chapter 15. Mark chapter 15. You know, we can laugh about complaining, but the truth is, man, you get around people complaining, and I get sick of it. Man, it just wears you out. It wears you out. It just wears you out. Mark 15, chapter 15. Chapter 15, verse 15. We need to watch our complaining. That comes from non-contentment. Uh, Not being content. Mark chapter 15, verse 15. Let's move on to the, uh, get another uh, education on contentment. The college of uh, contentment. We're looking at the college of contentment that Paul talked about. Paul said he learned to be content. So we're in the college of contentment. Look at Mark chapter 15, verse 15. And this is, this is the crucifixion of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He was an innocent man. Paul, I mean, Pilate admitted as much that he was an innocent man, but he's going to crucify him anyway. And why did he crucify an innocent man? Look at Mark chapter 15, verse 15. And so Pilate, willing to content the people, released Barabbas unto them and delivered Jesus when he had scourged him to be crucified. What you're going to learn in life is you don't want to, you can't find contentment in the world. You're going to find out you can't find contentment in the world. And what Pilate's doing is he's willing to content the people. What he's trying to do is he's trying to appease the people, he's trying to make them content. And I'm here to tell you, you can't give somebody else contentment. If you have a husband or a wife that's not content, you can't have them, you can't get them content. They got to find their own contentment. You, everybody in this room, you've got to find your own contentment. You've got to have, you've got to find content on your own. Nobody can give you content. And you're seeing this in the world today, in the media, in the social circles, in, in Twitter, in Facebook. And you see this in the, uh, what's going on in the liberal justice media where somebody will do something they don't like and then they go after them. And they go after them and they say, we're going to cancel you. We're going to cancel you. We're going to fire you. We're going to get you. We're going to get you. If we could, we'd throw you in. And they just go after that one person. And that one person, what do they do? They apologize. And they, oh, please forgive me. I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have said that. And they're trying to content the people. They're trying to do like Pilate did and content the people. And it don't work. Because you know what they'll do in the next week? You'll finally get them off your back. You're like, man. I'm glad to get them off their back. And here they show back up at your door today, and they, you're, they're not happy about something else. See, I mean, us old gray-headed people in here, some of us don't have much hair. We learned this long time ago. If you don't like me, then hit the road. Kick rocks, man. I don't care. I don't like what you said. I don't care if you like what I said. Kick rocks. Go down the road. I don't like the way you think. I don't care if you like the way I think. Get over it. But we're living in society like, you, you offended me. So? Well, I'm offended. I'm offended that you're offended. Get over it. Grow up. You got colleges. Speaking of college of contentment, we've got colleges. They have little rooms, the, the happy, the safe place, the quiet place where if you get, you get scared, you could just go in there. If life's too, too rough on you, get it, go, go in there and just sit around and, be, and try to be uh, safe in there. It's amazing what we're living in today. I cannot give you contentment. I cannot do anything to make you content. 
There's nothing I can do. And if you think somebody else can give you contentment, you're fooling yourself. And the reason why I'm so strong about this, the reason why I'm hitting this so hard this morning is because I've seen this in marriages over and over and over and over again. Where a man or a woman is not happy. So the husband or the spouse or the wife, they, they'll do whatever they can to get that wife or that husband content. The, the wife's not happy. I'm not happy in my marriage. I don't like that. Well, what I, well I don't want to go to church anymore. Okay, well, we'll stop going to church. I want to move over here and go buy me another house. Okay, I'll go buy you another house. Oh, I want another car. To, and they do all that. And you know what happens in the end? She leaves him anyway. <laughs> Amen. Y'all know these stories? I'm not, that's not some kind of rare thing that only I know about. Y'all have heard these a million times. In the same way, the husband, the wife does whatever she can for the husband. She stops going to church or she starts doing this, starts doing that, starts going out to the bars with him because she doesn't want to lose him. And you know what happens in the end? She loses him anyway. If a man or a woman's not content, you can't give them contentment. You can't give it to them no matter how hard you try. And there Pilate was, he thought, willing to content the people, release Barabbas unto them and deliver Jesus when he had scourged him to be crucified. See, Pilate in his wild imagination thought, Jesus is innocent. And here's Barabbas, and Barabbas is a murderer. He, he needs to be put to death. But the people want Barabbas, so I'll just content the people and say, okay, well, I know this is not the right thing to do, but I'll go ahead and give you Barabbas, and I'll, I'll give you Jesus to crucify. And guess what? They did crucify Jesus. And you know what happened to Pilate? They came right after him, and he died too. That's according to historians. It's not recording in your Bible. According to historians, Pilate got it in the neck too. You know what would have been better? He'd have been a lot better off to do the right thing and say, this man, not, I'm not crucifying Jesus. He's innocent. I'm not doing it. Now, he tried to be fake about it and put his hands in the water and say, I'm washing my hands of the blood of this innocent man and blah, blah, blah. But it was all in his power. And he did it anyway. You cannot help somebody be content. You can't make them content. Here's the best thing you can do, Christian. Just stand on the truth of Jesus Christ and let everybody else just go on and do what they're going to do. You say, well, I'm going to lose some friends. Lose some friends. You know what I found out? I've lost friends as I've had a Christian walk. I've lost a lot of friends as i walked with Christ. And guess what? God's bring me a lot more better Christian friends. A lot of good friends. A lot of good. I've lost some family members because of my Christian walk. And God's given me a, a church full of family members. That feels like uncles and aunts and granddads and grandmas. I'm not going to say who's the grandmas and the granddads. No, Sister Alice was like a grandmother to me. She passed away recently. God bless her. She's up in heaven rejoicing right now. And I'm down here paying $4 a, ga for a gallon of gas. She's up in heaven living it up. You know, she'd come in this church. She had that walker come in here. She'd sit down and uh, we'd get going and she'd, amen, amen, amen. Amen, amen, and she'd do that like that. Amen, amen, and we had a, a lady come in this church. She says, I just want to meet one person. I said, oh, yeah, me? You want to meet me? No, I don't want to meet you. I want to meet that lady I hear say amen all the time. That's Sister Alice. God bless her. She's being blessed right now. She's up in heaven, and you can too with Jesus Christ. There wasn't nothing special about her other than she just knew Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior, and that's the only thing that makes me anything. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13, moving along. Hebrews 13. Yeah, we need, to, we need to find contentment in Jesus Christ. Find a way to be content in Jesus Christ. Look at Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. Now, we've learned some bad things. 
Now let's look at the good things. Let's look at a way to be content. Let's look at the good things of contentment, what we need to do to be content. Because we looked at some of the bad. With, uh, it, make, it brings about, uncom, uncontentment brings about complaining and griping. We learned that you can't help somebody get content. You can't make them content. They've got to find contentment on their own. But look at Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. Let your conversation be without covetousness, meaning you're greedy, and be content with such things as you have. Why? For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Praise God. Hebrews 13, 5, we just learned there that no matter what is happening in your life, what is happening in your life, Jesus Christ is right there with you. That's a blessing. That's a real, real blessing. I don't know what you've been going through in your life. If you're anything like me, this is, there's a three-step phase. There's a three-step phase that happens in your life. What happens is God does something to you or puts you somewhere you don't want to be or something starts happening in your life you don't like and you go through this phase of griping and complaining. You, don't, you, stop, you lose your contentment, you start griping and complaining. Why is God doing this to me? Why would God do this to me? Why is this happening to me? And you go through this phase of, of questioning God. Why is this happening to me? Why am I dealing with this? It's that griping and complaining phase of uncontentment. And then you go from that phase to a worse phase, which is depression. Because you gripe and complain so much that you start going into this phase of depression to where you're, now, you're not saying, why did God do this to me? Now you're saying, God doesn't love me. God doesn't care for me. Nobody loves me. Nobody cares for me. And there's nothing further from the truth. Because I just read to you the verse, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Don't you know that when Paul first got thrown in prison for preaching Jesus Christ, he had been winning thousands to Christ. He had been doing a great work for Jesus Christ. He got thrown in prison. You know the first two or three nights in prison, don't you think he was sitting there going, man, I'll be getting out next week and I'm going to hit the road. And he did in these epistles would mention, when I get out, I'm going to go visit you. And when I get out, I'm going to go do this and go visit you. And he never got out. No, Paul said, I'm the chief of all sinners. He was a man just like me and you. Don't you know he said in prison? Don't you know there's some nights saying, why is, Lord, why, what's going on here? I could be doing so much more for you out here, but I'm stuck in this prison. I'm stuck here, and it wasn't nothing I did. I want to serve you, Lord. I want to get, let me die out there, Lord, serving you. Don't let me die in this prison. Don't you know those words pass his lips? Now you know why I read you Philippians 4 while he's been in prison for years, and he says, I learned I learned to be content because he had to be taught it. And some of us are being taught right now. I've been taught and put you through things and you're like, man, why is this doing? Why is the Lord doing this? Why would this happen to me? And then you go, well, maybe the Lord doesn't love me. And hopefully you'll get to the third phase. If you get through the second phase and get to the third phase and you'll realize, I'm just going to be content where the Lord has me. In the Holy Spirit. Well, in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit gives you the grace to say, no matter what you do, Lord, I'm just going to be content right here. Let your conversation be without covetousness. Conversation is the word used there is the same as conduct we use today. Like the way you work, the way you talk, the way you act. And be content with such things as you have. Whatever God's given you, just be content with it. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. And isn't that the most important thing you have? See, the world will tell you the most important thing you have is maybe your house or your piece of land. And some people think it's their car. I've seen people with $5,000 house and a $50,000 car. <laughs> I can go show you where they live in Brownwood, Texas. It amazes me. And the most important thing to them is their car. Sometimes it's your house. No, no, Christian. The most important thing you have is Jesus Christ. 
the blood of Jesus Christ. And he's paid for that. He's paid for your sin. And you love him. And you should love him. And you know he's there with you. He'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 6. Look at 1 Timothy chapter... And we're getting close to closing. 1 Timothy chapter 6. Paul's going to teach us some more stuff about contentment. 1 Timothy chapter 6. Yeah, contentment can be, it can be dangerous to not be content. To be griping, complaining, and you lose your joy, you lose your happiness. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 5. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 5. Lord, look what Paul writes here. He says, perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth. They don't know the truth. They're, they're lacking in truth. Why? Why? What are they teaching? Supposing that gain is godliness. From such withdraw thyself. If you have somebody come and tell you, say, hey, the richer you get, the closer you are with God. If you can get more money, you're closer to God. If you'll give $10, God will give you $100. And you'll be a lot happier because you'll have $100 and you won't have that $10 anymore. If there's somebody teaching you that or preaching you that, they're destitute of the truth. And I'm not saying that as a pastor, I know that, but the reason I can say that with authority is because that's what the Bible says they are. It's that prosperity message that God wants you to be rich. He says, from such withdraw thyself. Look, verse 6, here's what you need to know. Godly, but godliness with contentment is great gain. There's nothing better than just being content at where you're at. What you have than to be struggling to get something better. Be struggling and working to try to get something, a bigger house, a bigger car, a bigger gain, to gain this and gain that. And the whole time you're losing your happiness, you're losing your contentment. And, and Paul says, hey, remember this, godliness with contentment is great gain. That sister, uh, sister Alice Martin I just mentioned to you, she was poor. She wasn't rich. She had a little red car, and I don't know what your model's at. Like 1882 or something like that? No, it wasn't. <laughs> she had this old red car. She was took care of, right? Old red car, she'd pull up here. I seen her pulling out of the church one time, and man, this car goes boom, almost just T-bones her. And then it wasn't like two months later, she was up here trying to, leaving out from her house, and this 18-wheeler hits her, boom, just creams her car, destroys her car, and she lives through it. Without a car, she's relying on somebody to take her to church. Didn't have much money. But find me a lady that was more content. And she came into this church. She'd have, she had, she had, she'd have her little bit of government check that the government would give her. And that was, she was content is all she could be. And she'd give a tithe. She'd give, her, she'd give some money to the church. We even, she even came here one time and some lady stole out of her purse. We had a revival here, and a lady stole her money out of her purse. Stole her money out of her purse. Knew it was in there and took it. She was content, though. Miss Alice was always content. And I couldn't think of anybody. You wouldn't think she was rich. She wasn't rich. But she knew that Jesus Christ was never going to leave her and forsake her. Verse 7, for we brought nothing into this world and it's certain we can carry nothing out. They sing country songs about that, right? You, you weren't born with anything and guys, when they put you in that casket, they might, <laughs> they might throw stuff. I've seen funerals where they throw all kinds of stuff in people's caskets, you know. But it's just going to go with that old dead body in the ground. 
The worms are going to eat that body, and then whatever's left in there, it'll rot away, right? You don't get to take it with you. Why do we forget that? Why do we work, 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 work? Over time, we do all this work, work, work. You're miserable. You're not happy. And then at the end of life, you sit back, and you're like, now what do I do? Well, I guess I can go to church now. Well, it might be a little late. The Lord might not give you that time. Nobody knows what tomorrow's going to bring. Look at verse 8. Having food and raiment, let us be therewith content. Just if you got, you got food? I don't think there's anybody in here that doesn't have food. Not in America. If you are, more, you've been, <laughs> how much did you weigh? 600 pounds? You've been fasting for a month? Because all of us in here, we probably could lose a couple of pounds. Amen? We're all happy. Fat and happy. You know why? We've got a good God. Bless this country. Bless this nation when they don't deserve it. Does it deserve it? No, I don't deserve it. But he blesses us anyway. Hey, there's people all over the world that don't have food. You got food? I see everybody in here. Nobody's in here naked. Got raiment, got clothes. Praise God. Praise God. Be content. Just be happy. Money's not going to buy you happiness. That's not an easy thing to preach. Right? Because I can already see it in y'all's minds. Would well, it make me a lot easier to handle my unhappiness? <laughs> Money would make it a lot easier. Would you realize when you get old like I am and start getting around people, wealthy people, is some of the most, some of the most miserable people you're going to meet, very wealthy people. You know why? Because they have, you go to bed at night and you're worried about if Netflix is going to work or not. You go to bed at night and saying, well, I wonder if I'm going to have to get up tomorrow and my car, I'm going to have to get a change. They're going to bed worrying about stuff you never even dreamed about. You know what happens when you own two cars? You got to pay taxes on both those cars. You know what happens when you own a big house? You got to pay bigger taxes. You know what happens when you start making bigger money? You start paying bigger taxes. Uh, one, uh, one of those comedians, uh, I can't remember which one it was, one of those black comedians was talking. He said, I made, a, I made $100 million doing this and another, and $50 million of it went to the government. $50 million of it, right off the top, went to the government. And, there were, and the people in the crowd were like, oh, there's a gas and everything. He was talking about how 50 million, half of what he makes goes to the government. When you start making more money, the government starts taking more from you. You know these, some of these poor people you see, some of these poor people living under bridges, you know some of these poor people here? They're more content than the rich people. I know y'all don't believe that. Sometimes go talk, some, just, just test me. Sometimes go, test, go talk to them and say, hey, I've got a house for you. I'm going to set you up. I'm going to put you in a house. I'm going to give you some food. I'll even give you a car to drive and everything else. And you know what some of them are going to tell you? I don't want it. I'm happy just right where I'm at. They don't want to be. They're content where they're at. Now, that blows our mind, right? That, I mean, some of that just goes right over your head. Like, how can somebody be content when they're poor and they're living? Because they don't want to live like y'all want to live. They don't want somebody telling them what to do. They don't want somebody telling them when to get up in the morning. They don't want somebody make go to work and somebody tell them what to do at work. They'd rather just sit, let it, sit under a bridge and let somebody take else take care of them. They're happy where they're at. Look at the very next verse. But they that will be rich, they that will be rich, fall in temptation and snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, being which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil which while some coveted after they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many, many sorrows. You know, money can't buy you happiness, but neither can poverty. Money can't buy you contentment, but neither can poverty. 
If you say, well, I'm, you know what, I'm going to just go ahead and be poor. I'm not going to do anything. I'm going to go live under a bridge. That don't mean you're content. It can't buy, neither can it riches. Contentment's only going to come through Jesus Christ. I'm telling you this morning, you're going to look all over the world. You're going to go try to find it. And in Europe, you might go try to find it all over the world. You're not going to find contentment until you find Jesus Christ. It's just that simple. And that's what Paul's been trying to tell you. And if you don't have Jesus Christ, you don't understand the contentment we're talking about. Now, let me show you real quickly 2 Timothy 4, and we're going to close. One more verse. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6. So we've learned some stuff about contentment this morning. And in closing, I want to show you graduation day for Paul. So, so Paul, when he wrote Philippians, well, he's still stuck in prison. Well, Timothy, when he writes this second letter to Timothy, he's about to be done. He's been in prison for a long time. He, uh, he's about to go out. And this is what he had to say in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6. Here's Paul. This is what you call contentment. This is years of prison life. Paul knows he's about to have his head cut off. And this is what he writes. For I am now ready to be offered. And the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Finally, he says in verse 8, Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but to all them also that love his appearing. Paul's graduating. He's graduating from the College of Contentment, and that's what we need to do. We need to be in the College of Contentment. We need to be learning contentment. We need to be learning this stuff. And when Paul's getting ready to, be, to graduate out of the College of Contentment, what he gets, he doesn't get a diploma. He's going to walk up to Jesus Christ, the, the dean of the school, Jesus Christ, and he's going to bow down, and instead of getting a diploma, Jesus Christ is going to give him a crown and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Dear Heavenly Father, I can't thank you enough, Lord God, for your grace and mercy and your Holy Spirit that gives us this contentment, Lord. We give you all the honor and glory and praise for it because we know we don't deserve it. But, Father, I pray, Lord, if there's somebody in the sound of my voice that doesn't know for sure if they're going to heaven or hell, Lord God, that when we give this invitation, Father, I pray, Lord, you'd prick their heart with your Holy Spirit, Lord, like you did mine all those many years ago, Lord, and they'd walk on down the aisle, and, and, and I can show them, Lord, out of the Bible how they can get saved, Lord. And, Lord, I thank you, Father, for these people, Lord God, that come in, Lord God, that worship you and praise you, Father. I pray a special blessing on them. In Jesus Christ's holy name I pray. Amen. Let's have an invitation, brother. Hello friends, this is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas. If you'd like to contact us, you can do it at IndianGapBaptist.com. On the internet, it's IndianGapBaptist.com. But I have a question for you. If you died tonight, do you know if you would go to heaven? You know, if you're not sure, let me show you a few verses out of the Bible so you can know if you have eternal life. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So that verse tells us there that you can know you have eternal life. And I want to show you how you can know that. Jesus Christ talked in John chapter 3 verse 16, and most people have heard this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, that's an amazing verse, of course, talking about how God gave Jesus Christ as a gift to the world, but 
verse 17 and 18, he went on to say something interesting. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So the whole reason Jesus Christ came into this world was to save you and to save me and you. But in verse 18, he says something that's amazing. He says that he that believeth on him is not condemned. He's stressing a faith. It's putting your faith into Jesus Christ. But he says there in verse 18, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So he says you're condemned already if you haven't believed in Jesus Christ. It's not like you're going to go to heaven and you're going to stand before God and you're going to have God put your good deeds on the scale and your bad deeds on on the other side of the scale and he's going to weigh it. And if you've been a good enough person down on this earth that he'll let you into heaven. It doesn't work that way. Jesus Christ is real explicit here to say that you're condemned already. You need a Savior right now. The same chapter down in verse 36, it says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. It goes back to a believe, putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But the verse continues, And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. See, it's going on right now. You need a Savior right now. You need to be saved from a devil's hell. Paul sums it up real good here in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It's putting your faith in Jesus Christ from the heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and then with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's very important to confess Jesus Christ because the mouth shows where the heart's at. And in verse 13, he sums it up, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So friends, as simple as just bowing your head and saying a prayer, something like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you can came up from the grave and are alive right now listening to me. I invite you into my heart to save me. Please save me, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you prayed something similar to that, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. And God bless you, and until next time. Casting all your care upon Him.